And we pray, blessed King of all glory, that your word will find entrance into each one of our hearts. We pray, blessed King of all glory, that our eyes and our hearts shall be opened so that we may be able to benefit from what it is that you've got in store for us today. We give you glory and we give you honor. Just as we sang and said, let it rain, we continue asking you that let the rain of the Spirit fall upon us for the honor of your wonderful name. Let anybody who is unwell, even now, and is having problems with being able to hear the word because of either pain or because of an oppression that is in their body or in their spirit, on their mind or emotion. I'm asking for the healing touch of your spirit upon that one now. Let every heart that is hardened in one way or another, one whose mind, oh dear Lord, is wandering up and down because of fears, I speak unto those fears and I declare peace. Let there be calm in the hearts of God's people, even this moment in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And every kind of attack of the spirit of darkness to interfere with the entrance of the word of God, I command that particular darkness to be banished this morning in the name of Jesus. Father, even as we lift our hearts unto you, your word will find a good entrance, and the name of the Lord shall be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. And so this moment, I would like us to enter into the word of God yet once again. You remember in the course of, for quite some time, for the time that I've been sharing, I started sharing on the aspect of the parable of the, of the saw, what I've been calling the parable of the good soil, or the, or the parable of the soil. And we've been comparing it continually to our heart and how God views us, that is, from above which will always be so much concerned with that particular view, the aerial view that God is looking down on us as he looks on our lives. If you go to the book of Psalms, chapter 14, and verse, I think, verse 2, the word of God has something very interesting where it says, the Lord looks down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there is anyone who understands who seek God. In that particular scripture, essentially, he is implying or signifying as he looks down on us, mankind. He's looking for that one who understands. And then the scripture adds on who understands or who seeks God, meaning the one who has understanding is that man or that woman, that young man or young lady, who seeks God whose heart is after God, whose desire reaches out unto the living God. That is the man or the woman or the young man or young lady or child that has understanding. And so as we enter into the sharing of the word today, let that challenge be in our spirit. Do I have understanding? Do I daily seek after him? Or I just chance it? That when maybe once in a while, maybe I, when it is Sunday, that's when I remember about the things of God. And let that thing once again touch our hearts as we look into it, that the Lord looks down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there's any who understand, who seek God. 
Let us be a church and a people who seek him. Because as we understand and as we seek him, we shall receive the answer or the, or the answer or the solution of the problems or the issues that are facing us, facing our families, and facing our society, facing the nation or facing the nations. God will be able to speak into our hearts and give us an opportunity to be a healing, to bring an answer, a solution to a place where there is hurting. And so today I want, basically there are two aspects that I would desire to share on. The first aspect I will share today and the other aspect I will share next time when the Lord gives us an opportunity again when I come to share. And that, those are the final aspects of this particular parable that I'm going to be sharing on and that is the good soil. We have not touched what the good soil is. Uh, Pastor Phil touched one aspect of the good soil when he shared the other, the other time, the last time he shared. But today I want to share with you a different aspect, two different aspects that have been laid upon my heart to do with the good soil. And we understand, as we have said, if I will read from Luke chapter 8, I will only read those particular two verses, Luke chapter 8 and verse 8. If you want the whole context of it, read once again Luke chapter 8 from verse 4 up to verse 15. You will get the full gist of the whole thing. But the main, I will only pick the aspects we are sharing today. And that is verse 8, Luke chapter 8, verse 8. He says, but others fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, he who has ears, let him hear. Let me add on verse 9 and 10. The disciples asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? He said, and I want you to take note of this, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven or of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Then verse 15, but the ones that fail on the good ground are those who, having heard the word, with a noble and a good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. So basically, at the very outset, I will just put forth the statement that what then is the good ground? That is what we are measuring on today. And there are two aspects that I've said I'm touching on with the issue. This is what the good ground is. There are many aspects of the good ground, but I'm sharing only on two. This to the Lord who are grants, maybe others will come, but these two are laid upon my spirit. The first one, the good ground is the heart that yearns, the heart that craves, the heart that longs for the kingdom of God. The good ground, the good, good soil is the heart that craves or yearns or longs for the kingdom of God to be manifested in it. And why do I say this particular, why do I put forth that particular aspect? There's something that I want us to look. If you go back to verse 9, after Jesus has talked about the issue that the wood ground is the one that, you know, the seed comes in and it brings forth a hundredfold. He commented and said, let him who has ears hear and left it at that. 
The disciples asked this wonderful question. What does this parable mean? Then the Lord turns around before he explains the parable to them. He tells them something interesting. He tells them to you it has been given to know the mystery or the secret of the kingdom of heaven. Meaning, in another word, he's telling them, this parable that I'm telling you is an explanation of what the kingdom of God is. This parable that I'm giving unto you gives you a description or an outline of what the kingdom of God is. If you will get this particular, he says, to you it has been given to know this secret. And it's just what I've been telling you. To them, they, they were here, but they don't get it. They, you know, they see it, but they, they, see, they, they see, but they don't see. They hear, but they do not understand. But to you and I, he says, we have been given the grace to be able to know this. So, as we enter into understanding what is the good ground, the parable tells us three things that we must take note of. As he says, it is revealing a secret or secret of the kingdom of God. The first aspect of the three things that the parable is basically teaching us is, one, the parable teaches us or tells us where the kingdom of God is not. That is, the kingdom of God is missing. It is not there. That is a heart that is as dry as the bone. Nothing can manifest on that particular dry bone. He says the kingdom is simply not there because the seed gets there, but then it is completely taken away by the evil one. The second thing he tells us, the kingdom, what he's telling us, this parable is telling us, it is telling us where the kingdom of God cannot be. Now listen, there is one aspect where the kingdom of God is not. It means it is virtually not there. Secondly, it tells us where the kingdom of God cannot be. What does that mean? It means that in this ground, it may appear, the kingdom may appear to be there. That's why he talked about the issue of the, that particular rocky ground. It, essentially, that, it, that the seed starts to sprout, sort of to show signs. So whoever passes there, when it is starting to sprout and to show a sign, you say, oh, the kingdom of God is in that particular person or in that particular heart. But it cannot be there because he says, he says it withers after a time, after you're passed and gone. If you come back later on, you'll find, oh, I thought there was the kingdom there because you find something different happening in that particular life, a different kind of conversation. Another thing is, it tells us where the kingdom cannot be. That means it shows there may be signs of the kingdom being there. But actually, it is not there. You remember the story of the fig tree, when Jesus went to the fig tree, and it only had leaves. It was a wonderful looking, a healthy fig tree, but it did not have a, a leaf, a, a, a fruit. And as a result, the Lord cast it and declared, you know, because he missed what he was looking for, meaning is the kingdom 
cannot be. It, it's not just in the appearance of what we might think is appearing in that particular place. And then another thing, as he's saying, where the kingdom cannot be is if you go like to the book of Revelation to the seven churches, he gives them different messages. And there is something, one interesting message that the Lord gives to four of the churches. And they're the ones that are passed across unto us. To one church, he tells them, they have left their first love. Meaning, the current love that they have is fake. It is not real. And he warns them, he tells them, I am going to come. If you don't go back to the first love, I will come and take away the lampstand. Meaning, the kingdom is not there. Although they are appearing to be, they have got a fakeness which is not satisfactory, and he tells them he will remove any aspect of the kingdom from their midst. Another church, he goes to them, he tells them that, yes, he can see they have suffered, he can see they are very busy, he can see how sacrificial they are, but he tells them, you are entertaining false doctrine. And he tells them, I will come and fight against you. I will come and kill your children. He's speaking to his church, meaning that the kingdom of God was not there. So he says, I'm going to come to kill. I'm going to come and fight against you. He will not fight against his own kingdom, meaning let us check our lives. Might we be entertaining something that defiles the presence of God in our lives and hence causes the, the, the Lord God to be against us, if I may say so. Then finally to another church, he says, you have a name of being alive, but you are dead. That means to everybody, all was well. But to the one who was looking from above, he was looking at that heart, at that soil, and he was realizing that particular person is not complete. And what he tells them, why he says they are dead, he says, I have not found your work complete your works complete before God. His works, the works of this particular church were not complete. So although they appear to be alive, their works were not complete before God. And I'm praying and I'm crying unto God that none of us in hope will be found in this particular category of a people who appear to have the kingdom, who show signs of the kingdom, who manifests a kind of love that is like, like of the kingdom, but it's just in the mouth, or a people who may be very sacrificial, very busy. We even suffer for the things of God. We go into the snow because we are duty-minded, but he says we are entertaining a false doctrine within our spirit. He says it, it becomes detestable before him. If you have time, you can look in Psalms 26 and verse 4 and 5. He says, the psalmist says something very interesting in that place. He says, I have not sat with idolatrous mortals, idolatrous mortals, nor will I go in with a hypocrite. He says, I hate the assembly of evildoers. And then he says, I will not sit with the wicked. So that I may be able to wash my hands in innocence, and that I may be able to go about your altar, and I may be able to proclaim with a voice of thanksgiving 
and tell of all your wondrous works. That is item number two, where the kingdom cannot be. It may appear to be, but it is not. And the final aspect, which then I, I final, which we are share now today mainly on is where the kingdom is, where the kingdom of God is. That is the good soil. And that's what it is that I want us to measure on just on the first aspect today. That the parable of the sower or the parable of the good soil is a revelation of the kingdom of God. What is he telling us? He's told us that the seed is the word of God. And the seed has the mystery. Or the seed is the mystery of the kingdom. It has got the DNA that contains all the details and every particular small thing all about the kingdom. This seed, if it is planted in the good soil, it will start to reveal those aspects of the kingdom and they will start to be made manifest in that particular line. Why do I say that the kingdom, you know, the heart that yearns, that craves, that longs for the kingdom is the good soil. Listen to this. I want you to meditate and think about this particular fact. When John the Baptist came on the scene, that is in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 to 2, you will be surprised. The first message that John the Baptist spoke when he started to speak from the River Jordan was this one, repent for the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. That was the message of John. When Jesus began to preach his first message after he came from the wilderness after his temptation, in Matthew chapter 4 verse 17, the Bible says when he started to preach, his first message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Not yet through. When the disciples sought to know how to pray, you know, when they asked him, they had not been praying all the time, they had been with him. But when they started, they asked him, Lord, how do we pray? The instruction that he gave to them, interesting, the first request in that particular prayer is, let your kingdom come. After your name is hallowed, Father, let your kingdom come. And we declare it in the, at, the, at the beginning. Now, realize, during the course of his ministry, when he was challenged by the, by the, by the Jews as to what authority, by what authority he was, by what authority was in the delivering the oppressed, healing those ones who are oppressed by the devil. Remember the Acts says, this Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. God anointed him by the Holy Spirit and power, with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. When he was asked what authority he was doing, he told them, listen, if by the finger of God I cast out demons, let it be known unto you that the kingdom of God has come to you, or the kingdom of God he has come upon you. Now, realize something. That is, here, Jesus Christ, 
he wants the kingdom of God in full manifestation. That is, that word that became flesh in Mary, uh, in Mary's womb, it had matured. And in its full maturity, it was the kingdom of God embodied. As he moved up and down, it was not that just Jesus moving up and down. It was the kingdom of God moving to the left and to the right in that particular land of Palestine. And that he says, if by the finger of God, it was his finger that was pointing, his word that was speaking, if by the finger of God I cast out demons, then that spirit, it says, the kingdom of God has come upon you. And the final aspect, he again, I want you to consider is, before he goes to the cross, what our brother Michael was reading to us in the Lord's table, before he goes to the cross at the Last Supper, he told them these words in Luke chapter 11. If you look chapter 11, verse 16, if you look at Luke chapter 11, verse 16 and verse, 7, verse 18, there are some very interesting words that he tells them in those particular, in Luke chapter, six, chapter, chapter yeah, Luke chapter, yeah, Luke chapter 11, verse 16 and verse 18. He tells them this very thing. In that particular place, he speaks of the fact, of the fact, so it is Luke chapter 22, I'm sorry, not chapter 11. It should be Luke chapter 22, verse 16 and verse 11, verse 18. He tells them, I will not eat of this bread of this, whatever, of the, of, the, of the bread, and I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God come. What was he telling them until the kingdom of God come? That he was looking forward to that time when these disciples he was speaking to will be like himself, a full manifestation of the kingdom of God. That he was saying, I'm not going to eat of this bread, I'm not going to drink of this particular drink until the kingdom has come. Because before him, he was looking at these disciples he loved. And he was saying in the, in the future, these ones will be a powerful, full reflection of me. That is a full reflection of the kingdom of God. And so, what is the good soil? We have said yet once again, it is the heart that yearns. And, you know, it, it craves and longs for the kingdom of God to be revealed and to be manifested. And I ask you, my brother and my sister, are you such a one who is longing for this kingdom to be manifested? Now realize, we have said the seed has all that it, the DNA for the kingdom. As the word grows in the good soil, because it does not have opposition in that particular soil, it starts to change our mindset. Your mindset and my mindset is adjusted, adjusted as the seed grows within, within us. It has got no resistance. The way we, we have always think, thought is our mindset changes. We don't view things the way we used to view them. We don't criticize things the way we used to criticize them. We don't analyze things from the same perspective we used to analyze them. We analyze them from the perspective of the love of God. That is, the seed changes our mind. The seed, remember, is the word of God. It changes our emotion. If I was very temporal, you know, quickly, you know, I, change, I change almost like a chameleon. Today I'm this, tomorrow I'm that. 
depending on the circumstances that are surrounding me. The seed starts to change your emotions and my emotions. It stabilizes us. It makes us to be steadfast. That is a manifestation of the good soil. The steadfastness that is manifested in this particular individual. Our habits starts to be adjusted because the seed is starting to grow and is starting to be allowed to grow in our heart. That's why David says, your word I have kept hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. This seed is so powerful that when it is allowed, it starts to change that individual and even the, you know, the habits of this individual completely changes. It can be our eating habits. It can be our drinking habits. It can be our talking habits, our thinking habits. All those particular habits are adjusted. Even our friends, they will start to change. It changes our senses. We no longer become, we are no longer sensual. We become spiritual men and women in the sight of God. We don't go according to our physical senses. We go according to what the Spirit of God is prompting us because the kingdom has started to grow in us. Remember, it says the kingdom comes without observation. That is, it starts to change us. It changes our desires. It gives us new, brand new desires. That is, we start to reflect and shine a different light. Your friends will ask you, how come you don't uh, desire what we were longing for? So you tell them, no, that is not my type of thing. Why? Because the kingdom has already started to adjust you. The good soil is starting to show signs of changing and signs of manifesting signs of the nature of Christ. That's why he's looking at his disciples and tells them, I'm not going to drink of this drink until the kingdom of God comes. He went on a fast, in a sense, we may put it in quotes, to fast the wine, to fast the bread, because I'm waiting, interceding for you, so that the kingdom will be revealed in you, that you will be like I am. Then the world will know deliverance. The world will know the touch of God, because you in Perivere, you in, in America, you wherever you are in Russia, in Europe, in Britain, everywhere you that my children are will manifest my kingdom for the glory of God in the highest. If you look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, the scripture says something very interesting. The scripture says that we are saved. If you look at says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. What is the word of God saying? It is basically indicating something interesting here. From this parable, we can deduce that as the seed, which is the word of God, starts to grow in you, it develops faith that enlightens your eyes to enable them to see the grace of God that saves you and saves me. The word of God says, faith comes by hearing the word of God. And so, as the word grows in you, as you hear it more and more, take time to listen to the word of God, my brother, my sister. Take time to read the word of God. Take time to sing the word of God. Not this worldly stuff that surrounds us. Fill your eyes with the word of God. He says, as the word grows, faith starts to grow in you. And as faith grows, faith then is able to see grace. 
That's what Paul said. You are saved by you are saved by grace, but through faith. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. That means grace saves you, yes, but it's faith that grabs that particular grace for salvation. And for faith to be able to grab that salvation, the faith must be there. That faith comes by the word of God, having been sown, grown in your heart. And secondly, this particular grace, then, because faith has grabbed onto the grace, grace starts to pull you into the direction that God wants you to be. Grace activates the zeal for the desire to go after the things of God, after what you are made to be. Grace is what does that in your life. Grace is like a spirit. Of, it's the spirit of God, essentially. It starts to grow, to draw you into your destiny, in the purposes of God, in the, your destiny, in the things of God. That's why Paul says in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, and verse, up to verse 14, he says, the grace that brings salvation has been revealed unto all men, teaching us to say no unto ungodliness. What is that saying? It means grace starts to make things right in your life. Where you are doing things wrong, you start doing right. That is, you say no to ungodliness. That is what we call righteousness. That is, the word, as the word comes into your spirit, it transforms and changes you. And quickly, I want you to realize something. When this word came to Adam, I want you to imagine, the word was multiply and subdue the earth. Do you know what? Up to today, mankind is, subdue, is multiplying and subduing the earth. That word has never failed. It is continuing to today. When Noah was told, build the ark, he received that word in good soil. He started to build the ark by faith. And for 120 years, he did it. That word guided and directed him. That's why you and I, we are here today. We, are, we were not swallowed in the, in, the, in the flood because we were somewhere in Noah, somewhere hidden in his loins. And then Abraham, Abraham received the word, you shall be a blessing unto all nations of the earth. That word directed his life. It was a seed. He believed it. That's why you and I, we are saved. Because Jesus came through the loins of, of Abraham. Isaiah received the word. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? I pray that may the Lord grant you and me favor to be able to receive his rema word for your situation, for your circumstance, for your family, for your life and for Hope Community Church, that all of us, we may be able to start going towards what the Word of God is drawing us unto in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. As I draw to a close, Romans chapter 14, verse 6 says, This is the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. What does that say? We said there before that grace, which is grabbed by faith, helps us to start saying no unto ungodliness. And that grace that makes us say no unto ungodliness, then that means righteousness starts to be made manifest in our lives. So what is righteousness? I want you to realize righteousness is an active word. 
It is not a dormant passive word that will sit back and just say, I'm righteous. By faith, we are righteous. But there it pulls you out of your seat, gets you onto the road to do the works of righteousness. As if you read in Titus, you, let us read Titus that verse. He says, Titus chapter 2, verse 11, 14, he says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we must live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, Zealous for good works. You and I, we are his special people, Hope Community Church, West London, zealous for good works. Do you see somebody somewhere hungry? Don't keep the food in your, in your fridge. Reach it out and take to that man or that woman. If you know a brother or a sister is in need, doesn't have food, don't even go to ask him, oh, my brother or my sister, do you need some food? You know, because of our Britishness, there is that reservedness. Somebody will tell you, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine. When actually there is hunger in his family, his children don't have food to eat. If by grace maybe it has been revealed until there's no food enough, carry that food, dump it at his doorpost. Don't wait for him to ask. Let him open the door later on and say, oh no, there is food here. God has answered his prayer. You see somebody's naked? Don't let that naked, don't have a hundred shots in your house while a brother is naked or having only one shot, take two, pass it across to him. These are the works of righteousness. It shows the love of God in our midst. Don't say, I don't care about that lonely person. Pick your phone, call that man or that woman. Tell him, oh, I love you. God loves you. That is a work of righteousness. It is a work of the good soil in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what God is calling for you and for me to manifest it forth. As he says in Psalm 89, righteousness and justice, Psalm 89 verse 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne, O God. Mercy and truth go before your face. This is the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I will share about peace and joy in the Holy Ghost in the next sharing. But righteousness is what I'm touching on today. And I will encourage us, Hope Community Church West London, as we step into this particular year, it is going to be a year where we are going to be working righteousness because we are the good soil in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bear with me. Let me read this particular scripture and let it go back to your home as you meditate and read on and think about it. It is the last scripture that I'm reading. That is a picture of righteousness. Remember what Jesus said to, the, to, to his disciples, I was weak, I was in prison, I was, I was, you know, I was sick, I was naked, I was uh, uncovered, and you visited me, you clothed me, you fed me. Listen what he says through prophet Isaiah chapter 58. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sin. Yet they seek me daily, and they delight to know my ways. And as a nation that did righteousness, 
and did not forsake the laws of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Verse 3, why have you fasted? Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have, have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and defect and debate, and to strike with the feast of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ash and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Verse 6 says, is this not the fast that I have chosen? Now listen to what righteousness is. To lose the bones of wickedness. To undo the heavy burden. To let the oppressed go free. And that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? That you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked that you cover him? And not hide yourself from your own flesh? Are you hearing what the good ground is? Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rare God. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and speaking wickedness. If you extend your soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light will dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually. The Lord will satisfy your soul in drought. The Lord will strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old west places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the street to dwell in. Righteousness. That is the first aspect of the good soil. That is the good soil. That is the kingdom of God. The heart that yearns, the heart that craves, the heart that longs for the kingdom of God. May that heart be you. May that heart be me. May that heart be Hope Community Church, West London, in Jesus' name. Father, we bless you. Let this reality in our lives and your name be glorified as we wait on you. Maybe there might be somebody in our midst who has not known this kingdom, has not known this message of grace. You have not known Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Today you can make that decision. Just pray this prayer after me if you would like to know Jesus. Just say, Lord Jesus, I come before you. I confess that I am a sinner. I have fallen from your ways, O oh God. I now return. Forgive my sins, O oh God. I open my heart and accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe in my heart, O oh God, that Jesus is the Son of God. And that God has raised Jesus from the dead. And I confess with my mouth now that Jesus is Lord. 
Jesus, you are my Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have prayed up, the Lord touch you. You can always contact us here. We will do our best to be able to be a blessing unto you. But unto the whole church, let us be the good soil in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the Lord